You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Recently, a listener emailed and asked me a very good question. Why is my portfolio not doing as well as the JSE All Share Index? Shouldn't we invest more in South African stocks? Now, I haven't heard that in a very long time. And I think the answer is very simple. South African equity is only one component um, of their portfolio. And it happened to be one of the best performing parts so far this year. The best component of a portfolio will always do better than the entire portfolio. But that doesn't mean we should not diversify. In fact, I hear similar questions all the time. Seven years ago, it was, why don't we invest more offshore? There's no way the South African market will will ever do better than what's happening in the US. Five years ago, it was, why shouldn't we put everything in gold? All my friends are going into gold at the moment. And I think it's all too human to chase winners because we are driven by powerful human tendencies called, uh, in this case, the recency effect, one of those uh, biases that was discovered by Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman, who's recognized uh, as one of the founding fathers of behavioral economics. The other two, Richard Thaler and Amos uh, Tversky. Now, previously, we spoke to the chief investment officer of PSG Wealth, Adrian Pask, about the impact of rising inflation on different sectors in the market. And today, we speak to Adrian about selection risk. Adrian, welcome back. Hi, Michael. Thank you very much. Now, just explain exactly what selection risk is. Well, currently in South Africa, there's 1,700 FECI-approved junior trusts. Uh, just to give you a, a sense of, of the quantum there, it's roughly five times as many uh, stocks that listed on the on the JSE. So it's great. Investors investors have uh, quite a bit of choice, but that also comes at the risk of choosing poorly. So that, in essence, is a selection risk, and, and we believe that risk is actually at very high levels at the moment, not only because of the number of funds available to choose from, but also because the dispersion between those funds are at severely elevated levels at the moment. And, you know, that that's a very important point because I think often what we what we tend to do is we look at the uh, the Raging Bull Awards or we look at the various rankings and we say, well, who's outperforming? Who's at the top of the pile at the moment? And we tend to then chase those winners. And often you find that they're top of the pile because a lot of the gains have been had already. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think... Uh, you know, the mistake is largely made uh, on the back of just maybe poor preparation on, on behalf of investors. So it's super important to, to have a plan in place. Otherwise, you are going to find yourself in that situation where you're chasing performance all the time. So I think, you know, what you really need is, is a clearly defined plan so that when the volatility comes around, which seems, especially in an emerging market like ours, it's just a matter of time. Um, and as I say, you don't want to find yourself in, in that position where you are, are chasing performance. And I want to come back to a point that you raised. I mean, you mentioned dispersion. And I think so often in this game, when you talk the language, you uh, you forget that many people out there might not be familiar with the jargon. What do you mean by the dispersion between the best and the worst performing funds? Well, really, it's just the, the, the gap in, in the return. So if you, if you look at some of the top performing funds, more recently, they've, they've done phenomenally well. Um, and, and then on the bottom end, guys who've managed to get this wrong um, would, would be on, on the bottom end. And then the difference between those two, uh, we, we call that the, the dispersion. Um, so it's actually, if you think about that in a more in the sense of a practical example, it's not too long ago that we actually saw funds uh, in both the fixed income side as well as multi-asset funds and equity funds 
sort of converge around the 6% level. You know, cash rates were a bit higher than what they were now. Mm. Um, fixed income of the bond yields were, were around similar levels. And equity markets were quite flat in comparison to, to longer-term history. So all around that 6% level. So, you know, almost regardless of where you went, you would have received a similar return. So the risk of selecting poorly in the wrong grouping was actually quite low. Um, so what we did see through that whole process is uh, it drove investors to to go down the risk curve because why would you assume more risk for the same return? So yep. we saw a lot of investment move down into that fixed income space. Or alternatively, I mean, you mentioned in the introduction, um, investors went very pro-South Africa, but they were extremely pro-taking money offshore. So that's the two areas that saw quite a bit of flow um, coming through. So if you look at the latest CISA numbers that came through, those are actually quite interesting. They, they say that there's been, over the 12 months ending March, uh, 200 billion of new investment flows into the unit trust industry, which is phenomenal. But the problem is 90% of that went in fixed income type funds. Mm. So obviously that speaks to some of the behavior. But, but the key risk now, and why we think the selection risk component is so topical at the moment, is because over the same period, equity markets are up 50%. So you can imagine the performance dispersion is therefore very high. And we actually did some further research on this where we looked at the, the rolling one-year returns and that dispersion amongst FCA-approved funds in the industry over the last 20 years. And, and that dispersion was at a peak last year of 250%, which is hmm. extremely, extremely high. It's 100% higher than, than the previous peak that we had um, during that period. I mean, that's remarkable. It's the cost of getting it wrong or getting your asset allocation strategy wrong here. So what should investors do given that backdrop and given how difficult it is uh, to pick the next winner or, 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 or the next um, best unit trust? Is it just a question of rather understanding this and understanding the risks of going into a particular asset class of cash versus bonds versus equities? I mean, how, how should investors think about this? Yeah, I think at PSG, our, our view has always been that, that you need to have that clear plan in place. Um, you know, if you, if you have a clear plan and you stick to it, um, then you don't invest, invest on a whim. Uh, if you're a sitting duck for, for those behavioral biases that you referred to previously, mm. um, if, if, you, if you don't have that clear plan that sort of anchors your thinking, you've got clear expectations of, of, of what your portfolio should do, how it should be, behave, how it should be behaving. Um, so if you don't have that, I think your chances of success are unbelievably poor. Um, and, and the recent pattern of industry flows that I mentioned clearly shows that investors get these things routinely wrong. You know, when they get nervous, they go into those conservative funds, 90% of the flows. And the, the, the recovery in the markets were completely missed by, by those investors. So I think have a plan. And also, I, I, as an investor, I wouldn't be too involved, especially right now, in trying to pick the asset classes or funds yourself. Um, you know, at PSG, we've heavily invested into research teams that go through these um, research um, reports, and, and there's a lot of digging in terms of making sure that we find the best opportunities. And, and at the same time, I would suggest that when you speak to your financial advisor about fund selection and asset, asset classes, etc., 
it's a very good time to actually reconsider multi-asset funds. So another interesting thing that we've seen out of interest rate flows is that multi-asset funds have just completely fallen out of favor. Again, investors didn't want to assume more risk um, for the same return that a, a more conservative investment could have could have given you. But if you if you consider what these funds have done, uh, at least those funds over the same 12-month period end, ending March, um, on aggregate, they've, they've returned 30%. So at least they participated in the recovery. And there's a decent um, spread of assets diversified across the wide spectrum of things. Some will be doing well, some lesser well. But at least you've got your, your toes in, in the water across the spectrum. So I think that's something that, that we'll see come back um, uh, over, over the years to come. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the other key thing to consider with the, the multi-asset is the flexibility and the active nature of them. So in this environment where things are so fluid, um, where we, you know, markets are very volatile, um, the, there's various rotations in the market. I mean, guys are often talking about what the impact is of higher inflation, higher mm. interest rates, value over quality. Mm. All those things need to be considered on a, on a very um, proactive basis. And the fund manager whose day job is to make sure that the portfolio is optimally positioned is obviously far better placed than someone that's more reactive to the to, to the news and developments in markets. Um, again, you're going to fall into that trap of, of following performance rather than relying on the skill of a manager who's in the market and that can, can position the portfolio optimally. I think that's some of the best advice I've had on my show all year. Chief Investment Officer of PSG Wealth, Adrian Pask, selecting to invest in the wrong fund at the wrong time is just something that happens far too often. You know, time in the market is more important than timing the market, they say. And um, from the research, industry flows uh, and all of that data does show that investors habitually chase performance and are notoriously bad at timing the markets, uh, which often have severe consequences on your long-term wealth uh, journey and financial plan. So I think the bottom line is stick to a plan. And in this environment, uh, take uh, Adrian's advice uh, and consider those multi-asset funds. Uh, you're listening to Classic Business.